Happy Sabbath, church family. Haven't we been blessed already? I feel like we could just sing the last song and we would have had the sermon all done already. Between the songs of the praise team, children's story, special music, it's encapsulating all that we are talking about today. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know anybody amongst you guys, myself, sitting here who would object to God's will being done on earth. My question for you this morning, what does God's will look like? I believe we often struggle with what God must do in order for his will to be accomplished in our lives and what we think it should look like. That's where our struggle is. And this morning, what I want us to do is look at some of the ways in which God's will gets accomplished. And the goal is that we will learn to trust him to accomplish his will. We don't always have to know or understand how he's going to work. We just need to remember he is working. Like Jesus says, my father is always working. He has been at work. So I hope this morning we leave here feeling better about God's will and how he accomplishes it. Let's pray. Father, we often struggle with you at times. We often misunderstand. You're so misunderstood by we, your children. But Lord, we pray for your continued mercy upon us. We ask that you bring yourself to us today, that your spirit will descend upon us and that Jesus will be lifted up and at the end of the day we can all say God is good he is very good in Jesus name amen, amen. what are we to do when God's actions don't line up with our expectations when we pray to God and we think he's going to answer this way and he doesn't answer that way, what are we to do? My answer is simple. We just need to keep trusting him. But I know how complicated that can be or how difficult we can make that for ourselves. But we have to keep remembering God's thoughts are not what? Are not our thoughts. His ways are not. I'm waiting for the day when we actually believe this. And when I say we believe it, is that we walk with a confidence that the rest of the world just doesn't have. 
Whether we go through difficulties, valleys, deep mountains, high, we as Christians need to have a thing about us that says it doesn't matter. And the only way we can arrive at such a, a state of being is if we remember that God knows what's best. And if we trust him to carry out his will in our lives, it will be done. He desires it more than we even want it. And he knows how best to bring it about in ways we haven't even thought of. I think sometimes we forget how God has demonstrated his love towards us. We forget his intentions towards us. We often see him in an unfair light. We, we misunderstand him. How many of you have heard people say that, oh, they don't like the God of the Old Testament? I know people who only read the New Testament. They have nothing to do with the Old Testament because somehow that God doesn't fit in their mindset. I know people who tremble at the thought of that God has wrath. Are you afraid of God's wrath? Let me see if I can get this working here. Turn with me, and I'll put it on the screen too. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 19 through 21. I remember the first time I started looking at these passages. And yeah, it, if you take them just by themselves, sometimes they can look very scary. Let's see. Ezekiel 14, starting at verse 19. Or if I send a pestilence into the land, and pour out my fury on it in blood, and cut off from it man and beast. Does that sound like a God you're looking for? Even though Noah, if I have that, Daniel and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. And at first glance, it seems like, oh man, look at what God is doing, and no one can help us. You remember who Noah is, right? Daniel, Job, these are all great men of faith, and God is saying none of them can help us? Why would he say that? Are we thinking out there? Why would God say such a thing? Is it possible God knows that there is only one man that can help us? His name is Jesus. It's not Noah, Daniel, Job, or anybody else. It's just Jesus. And if we keep putting our trust in these men, we will never get where we're supposed to be. 
So what seems like God is threatening to cut us off and not give us any help? It's God trying to tell us there's only one place to get his help. It's from his chosen man. His name is Jesus. So he goes on. For thus saith the Lord, the Lord God, how much more it shall be when I send my four severe judgments on Jerusalem, the sword and famine and wild beast and pestilence, to cut off man and beast from it. How much do you know your God? How much do you trust your God? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we still believe that? Are we going to trust God to do what he needs to do so that his will may be done here on earth as it is in heaven? So at first glance, this looks like God is threatening and God is just so mad he's going to destroy everything. He's going to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and he's, it's like he's wanting to punish his children. But is that God's thoughts towards us? Has God ever had thoughts like that towards us? Children's story, right? I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of what? When God does things, do we see it as God trying to bring peace in our lives? Or are we so caught up in how he's going to accomplish it, we forget what his intentions are? I have thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So again, I'm asking you, are we trusting God enough? that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we do not forget his thoughts and his intentions towards us. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. How is God towards us? Long-suffering. Not willing that what? God doesn't desire that any of us should perish. And yet when we look around at the storms and all the stuff that's around us, that is often our first in thoughts. God, why are you letting this happen to me? Why am I so stressed out by this? It seems as if my whole world is falling in. And God is trying to tell us, hold on, don't let go. My chosen man is on his way and he will deliver you if you don't lose heart. Family, I'm speaking this way because there are things that are to come upon this earth. And if we don't have a correct understanding of how our God works, how he operates, Many might do as Job's wife suggested, curse God and just die. 
And I'm here to say that is not God's desire for us. So his desire is that we trust him. Trust him from the beginning to the end. Oh. This is why the announcement that was made about April 15th, the weekend of April 15th, do you guys remember that? This little paper. Come and bring a friend. This is why we're doing this. We need to linger a little longer at the cross of Jesus. We need to gaze a little longer upon the man God has chosen for us so that we can get a better understanding of what God is doing so that we can understand God's intention towards us. He would rather cease to exist than to do without us. And if we believe that, then we must trust him how he's going to bring it about. Do not let the ways that God is working that seem so contrary to our flesh, to our thoughts, and our ways of doing that, please don't let that cause you to let go of God. Hold on. He's coming. So this morning I want to take you to a story that illustrates this, I hope, a little better. Remember the the story of Joseph, right? It should be more about, this is about Pharaoh. But Pharaoh had a dream. This is Genesis 41. We can turn there. Genesis chapter 41. In Genesis 41, we're running across Joseph, right? A man chosen by God who has been mistreated, sold into slavery, wrongly accused and imprisoned, forgotten by those he who has blessed along the way, And from all intensive purposes, just looking at it from a a worldly standpoint, they would think Joseph had been forsaken and forgotten of God. But is that the true story? We have to understand that the way God works is not the way we would work. So here is Joseph. He could be wondering, what on earth is happening to me? Why is all of this happening? But Joseph at the end of the story says, My brothers, this is not your fault. It's not because of you why I'm here. It's because of who? It's because of God. It was God's will. So can you imagine if uh, Joseph was still back in his father's um, house? Can you imagine what would happen if Jesus decided to stay in heaven? Can you imagine what would happen if God didn't allow us to go through difficulties? If God didn't allow us to struggle, to wrestle? 
There are things he wants us to accomplish that we would never be able to accomplish. But we have to trust him. Are we at Genesis 41? Starting at verse 1. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and the gaunt cow ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept, he slept and dreamed a second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. The seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Was there anybody who could interpret that dream for Pharaoh? So once again, if God was to operate the way we often think he should, we would have wanted Joseph to never been sold, right, into slavery. Who would have interpreted this dream for Pharaoh? Jump down to verse 16 or 15. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, right, I've had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream and interpret it. How did Pharaoh know about Joseph? Potiphar's wife lied about him, right? And as a result, he was thrown into jail. If Joseph had not been in jail, would Pharaoh's chief butler have run into Joseph? Would he have known that there is a man in the kingdom who understands and can interpret dreams? So do you see right now, if Joseph's brothers never sold him into slavery, if Joseph was never put into jail, he would never have met the butler. He would never have heard the butler's dream, interpreted it for him, and now Pharaoh would never have heard this dream. Did Pharaoh need to know about this dream? So, verse 16, So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh what? No Joseph, no peace for Pharaoh. Again, sometimes the things we go through have nothing to do with us. It's God preparing us to bless others. And we can't keep questioning the ways in which he goes about it. We need to just trust him. When it seems like it's unfair, we need to trust him. When it seems like there is no hope, we need to trust him. 
regardless of the situation, God is asking us to trust him. And we are trusting him because he wants you to look in your own personal lives and decide for yourself, has God been good to you? Has he blessed you? Because if he has blessed you, you learn to trust him. You keep trusting him. I don't know about you, family, but God has been so good to me. There are times when I just don't know why he still puts up with me. But the honest truth, whether I can explain it or not, the evidence is still there. My God has been good to me. He has taken me through difficult situations. And after going through thinking, I don't know what's going to happen, and he's brought me through. It's for me to keep trusting him. You know, this is not something that just happened in my adult life. I remember when I was about maybe 13 or 14 years old. Like all the, I, I went to a public school, right? And I remember that every kid was coming to school Monday morning. And you know what they were talking about? Saturday morning cartoons. And all of them talked, oh yeah, did you see this? I'm the only one standing out there like a sore thumb because I had no idea what they're talking about. Why? Because as Jesus' custom was, what did he do? He went to church on the Sabbath. So my parents, followers of Christ, guess what their custom was? To go to church every Sabbath morning. Therefore, I had no opportunity, if I wanted to, to even watch Saturday morning cartoons. I remember one time I was even trying to think of ways in which to do this. And then something happened. Our TV, the picture tube on the TV went out. So now, even if I've tried to put my plan into action, it was never going to work anyhow now. And somehow, my mother was convinced she did not need to get another TV. I'm like, Mom, you're killing us. First, we got to go with you to church. Everybody else is doing We got no TV. We have nothing. I thought my parents were the strictest people in the world. If you had asked my immature mind at the time, this is the worst thing that's happening to me. I'm having no fun because I'm not getting to do what every other kid was getting to do. Then at 14, a man came to do an evangelistic series. And it was a special, it was just Daniel and Revelation. And he was going chapter by chapter. And of course, my parents, they didn't miss an evangelistic series. And so they brought all four of us kids with them to the evangelistic series. And this man started talking about Daniel and Revelation and, and just connecting one point with another point. Before I knew it, I was hooked. At 14 years old, I had this love for Daniel and Revelation. I couldn't even explain it to anybody. That love hasn't even left me still today. Anybody knows me, Daniel and Revelation is still there. Where did that come from? If God had not put it in my mother's heart to cut that TV out, if God didn't allow me to think he's punishing me, he must hate me because I'm having no fun. I still don't believe this morning that that desire to study God's word and to delve into Daniel and Revelation would have been there. 
So I look back now and I say, thank you, Lord, that you knew what was best for me in spite of what I thought was best for me. And he still works that way each and every time in our lives constantly. But we have to start trusting him. So now instead of fighting him, complaining about my parents, I first had to apologize to my parents and thank them for being so strict because I know when I was 20, I knew what kind of trouble I could have been in if they were not strict. But now I thank God. Lord, I don't always have to understand. It doesn't always have to make sense for me. But I have a wall of remembrance. I know I talk about wall of remembrance, but we have to keep that. I have a wall of remembrance that says, when I thought God was not there, when I thought God had left me, God was angry with me, I can look back now and say, that was God looking out for me step by step, one event after another. Are we trusting him? Are we so dependent on him that we can say no matter what, he'll see us through? I'm at a place now when things are happening in my life, I, my first thought is not, oh, this looks bad. It's, I wonder what God is planning. Because I, I no longer think it's safe to predict what he's going to do. And this is the same place that Joseph found himself. All right? He couldn't explain why all of these things were happening at first. But he kept being faithful to God regardless of the situation he found himself in. And then suddenly, here is Joseph fully understanding what's going on. So let's go down to verse 26 to 28. Oh, 25, sorry, starting verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. So first, Joseph tells Pharaoh, the reason for this dream is that God wants to give him what kind of answer? You remember the end of verse 16? An answer of peace. God is about to bring a famine, right? upon Egypt and all the surrounding places. And jo Joseph says, this is God wanting to give you an answer of peace. Does that sound like somebody who's trying to punish Pharaoh and, and Egypt? But that's what we think at first glance, right? This is what happens when we think our thoughts and our ways are the way God operates. So God is telling Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. This is verse 26. And the seven good heads are the seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what is a what he is about to do. Who is about to do this? God is about to do this. What did we read earlier was one of God's severe judgments? Famine. God was about to bring famine 
one of his severe judgments, and he's giving Pharaoh a heads up so that Pharaoh would have peace. If you're about to destroy somebody, do you care if they have peace or not? You try to comfort them. Let's go on here. Look at verse 32. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice. Because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. When God brings hardships in your life, are you asking why he's bringing the hardship or what he's trying to do? It matters, does it not? If the question is, why, God, are you bringing hardship in my life, you think God is punishing you. And these are how these misunderstand. This is why Jesus was so misunderstood. This is why Jesus was persecuted by the very ones he was there to help. Because they couldn't understand if God was trying to help them, why would he send somebody born in a barn, homeless, having no place to live, to call his own? They couldn't understand why God would allow that to happen. But if God didn't allow that to happen to Jesus, could he identify with all your struggles? Aren't we we lucky that God doesn't see things the way we see it? Because if our Lord and Savior did not go through all of that, he would not have qualified to be our high priest. When heaven and earth were searched, remember John in that throne room scene before God the Father? The call went out, right? Who is worthy to receive this book and to open it? And the search was done in heaven, on earth, beneath the earth. If Jesus had not gone through what he had gone through, who would have been found worthy? No one. Where would be be the peace God wanted us to have? Where would be the joy that he wanted us to have? We often confuse the way God does things with what he's trying to accomplish. We need to remember that God's will is not always done the way we think it should be done. But I want to encourage you this morning Keep trusting God. The stories are all over the place. All throughout the Bible you see people who trust God in in the unlikely of circumstances. And it has blessed them and others. And likewise, God wants to do the same for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you to be a blessing. But oftentimes, before we can be a blessing, we have to learn to trust God. We have to let him take us through the things we need to go through so we can be that blessing. 
And too often we're kicking and fighting, wondering, God, why, do I, why does it have to be done this way? Does God naturally just go to the hardest way to do things? What often determines what measures God has to use for us? I hear little whispers. <laughs> what often determines what, God, what methods God has to use to reach us? Isn't it us? Isn't it the circumstances we often put ourselves in? So isn't it possible that a lot of times the difficulties we have to go through is because we make it difficult to hear God under any other circumstance? When I'm on the top of the mountain, I'm usually yelling out, look at me, I have arrived. I am number one. How do I hear God at that time? I'm shouting too loud. Oftentimes, it's in the valley. It's when I have no other move, when I'm flat on my back. In that solitude is suddenly when I can hear that still, small voice. And it's at that moment I'm willing to do what he is asking me to do that brings me the deliverance that I've been looking for. So it's us who often determines what method God has to use. So if God has to use a severe judgment, the Bible says he has to do that when a land persists in unfaithfulness. God says this way and we're going this way and we're going and we're going and we're going and we have no intention, it seems, of turning back to God. And God says, I have no intention of letting them go. So he pursues us to the ends, to the depths that he ever he has to, to get our attention. So he either has to carry us home or we give us the strength to walk back home. But God will go get us wherever we're at. And that is what often determines what he has to use. Is that any different than parenting? I have one daughter, hey, I can just say, do this, and she's ready to go. Another one says, nah, I think there's another method, and she's going to have to try another method. If you're anything like me, you know, I have to get some spankings there. Because I was so determined that my way was the right way, and my mother and father were determined to let me know this is their house. I'm still thankful that they remembered it was their house, that they didn't want to be my friend. They had a job to do to train me in the way to go. But again, I'm just saying I didn't have to get all those spankings if I was willing to listen the first time. And it's the same way with God and us. He often doesn't want to use those difficult methods. I remember my grandmother always saying when she's about to spank me, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I never did understand it then, but now I do. She didn't want to have to spank me, but that's the, the la that's the choice I gave her, the last option. But if she loves me, is she going to take that last option? Absolutely. So here we are with God. A famine is coming because the, the land of Egypt and the surrounding nations were persisting in unfaithfulness. If we persist in unfaithfulness, 
Do we ever arrive where God is wanting us to be? No. Verse 33, Now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Who was that wise, discerning man? Joseph. So if Joseph threw a fit and ran away from his brothers, didn't get thrown into the, into the pit, didn't get sold into slavery, didn't go to the jail, didn't meet the butler, would not have met Pharaoh, would not have been the man that Pharaoh realized was the wisest man to deliver him and his people from this famine. So was God sending the famine to punish them? Would you send a man to deliver them if you were trying to punish them? Oh, man, how we, we so misunderstand God. We often think God's wrath is our type of wrath, right? James 1.20, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What is that verse saying? When man gets angry, what does his wrath produce? Unrighteousness, right? It does not produce the righteousness of God then it's unrighteous, is it not? So when we get angry, when we get furious, the result is usually wrongdoing. James is contrasting that with how God's wrath works. When God gets angry, right, what does his wrath, what does his anger produce? Righteousness. If God will get me from here to where I'm supposed to be, and his anger causes that, Lord, let your anger fall upon me. Because it produces the right results. God's ways are not my ways. I would never have thought that because looking at my anger, I know this is something I don't want people to see. But God's anger is not like my anger. It actually causes people to do good and right things. It produces righteousness. It's important for us to realize that. <clears throat> so what do we learn from this story? Let's see if I have this. All right. Ezekiel 14, 22, we had read earlier, 19 to 21. This is God's, right, his four severe judgments. Yet behold, there shall be left in it, in Jerusalem, a what? A remnant who will be brought out. Both sons and daughters, surely they will come out to you and you will see their ways and their doings. Then you will be what? God sends difficulties our ways to produce a remnant. 
people whose characters have been tried in the fire. And they come out and they do what? They comfort the rest concerning the disaster that I have brought upon them. What are we to make of this? There's tribulations that are coming. There are dark times ahead. When we understand Pharaoh's dream, there were seven good years, right, and seven bad years. I believe with all my heart this country is in that seven bad years. I believe there's some of us who in our personal lives, we've been in this seven bad years for some time now. But God says the purpose for you going through that is that he will be able to comfort you later on. Trust him to do that. I guess the point is, God, we often ask, Lord, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God's will is being done upon the earth. Because God's will is Jesus, and he is working over time right now on this earth. His will is being done. We often misunderstand by thinking it's only God's will being done on earth. And that, he tells us, is not true. His enemy has also planted seeds, has he not? And so the enemy is at work also. So do we want to get rid of the seeds of the enemy? It would be nice, wouldn't it? But what did God say about that? You're going to have to let them both grow together until the harvest. So we can look at the seeds of the enemy and think God is not working, or we can look at the seeds of the enemy and remember that God is still at work. He still has a chosen man. His name is Jesus, and he has not stopped working for your soul or my soul. He's on our side. So, so for some of us, the seed the enemy has planted in the souls of our lives has made our lives seem like one big nightmare. We need some good news. And the good news is, hold on. Jesus is coming. He's God's chosen man, and he's not done yet. Give him a chance. Let him fix what the enemy has destroyed. For some of us, we have not been able to break free of bad habits, addictions. Every time we try to get out of it, it seems like it's pulling us back down. And I say today, hold on. Jesus is coming. God's chosen man is on the case. You're not done. As long as you're breathing, it's not over. God has chosen a wise and discerning man. And when he is finished, he will accomplish what he has set out to do. For some of us, the future does not look as bright as it once did, and we are afraid. 
Hold on to Jesus, God's chosen man. Don't let go now. He's coming. For some of us, we have been making one bad decision after another. That's our reality. Just when somebody seems to help us, we make another bad mistake, and here we go down again. Some say, I don't know, if I don't know what God sees in me. And I tell you, you don't need to worry about that. Just hold on. The man God has selected, Jesus Christ, He's coming after you. He sees value in you. You are his pearl. Hold on. Don't give up on him yet. God has a man for the situation you find yourself in. For some of us, we've been going through one sickness after another. And we're just tired. And I say, hold on to Jesus, God's chosen man. He's on his way. Whatever your blank, you fill it in. Whatever the thing you're going through, God's chosen man is coming to a need near you. God's chosen man is here to say, he has appointed me to heal your broken heart, to heal your broken bodies, to calm your restless minds. I have been chosen to give you peace. In the midst of your storm, I am here. So for you, I am, I am where you will find rest. I am here to give freedom to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind. I am here to free you from your bad habits, freedom from your faulty way of thinking, freedom for those who look to take advantage of you or freedom from those to proclaim to you the acceptable year of the Lord. You have been accepted in his beloved. Hold on, family. Just hold on and let him finish what he has begun. Fill me with you right now. My world.
points us to you right now. Erase substitutes right now. Fix what I see. And God, please fix me. My world needs you. Oh